Welcome back to Podcast 47 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Circa Sports. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. These contests have two ways to win and no rake. Circa Sports Millions with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circa Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. If you'd like to support and benefit from the Odds Breakers, please visit the website, click shop, and pick any of our premium membership cappers to get their plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theoddsbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. We have a great show for you today. We're not done with the NFL, my friends. Doug Upstone from Doc Sports is back. And we're going to talk about his thoughts on NFL season win totals and futures going division by division. Really cannot wait for Doug to come on. And obviously, going to talk some UFC fight night Santos versus Hill at the end of the show. Give out a few plays that I like a lot, as well as some leans. So can't wait to get into the show before that. Please feel free to check out our handicapper memberships. There is package deals that are on discount until August 15th for football. We are already making week one plays in college and NFL football, as well as all the futures and season win totals that we have put out as well. You can also check out all of our free content at theozbreakers.com. There's plenty of sharp handicappers giving out their plays. There's lots of content to make decisions on your own. I compiled coaching records for the NFL preseason because I do bet the NFL preseason. Feel free to check that info and make your own decisions based upon that. We also have our Pythagorean win totals on the front page that you can use for your thoughts on how these teams are going to do in 2022. I also covered this pretty deeply on Ross Tucker's Even Money podcast this week. Talked a little bit about how I like to approach the preseason and talked about the Pythagorean win totals and how they apply to your process in coming up with NFL season win totals. Make sure you check that all out at theoddsbreakers.com. Without further ado, let's get right into our guest, Mr. Doug Upstone from Docs Sports. Now, I'm very excited to welcome back a very experienced professional handicapper, a longtime friend of our show, Mr. Doug Upstone from DocSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Upstone. And this segment is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus. Please use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. Doug, how's life treating you, my man? Summer's half over. 
Uh, it's it's way more than half over, <laughs> except well, I guess except for those of us that live in Arizona, right? I mean, that goes on. That's why I say uh, it. November, That's why I say part. it because, like, when I lived back in the Midwest, you felt it was completely almost over in August. But the truth is, it started June twenty first. So basically, you're you're halfway into it on August first. Right, that's true. You, you know, it, it goes true. the not even actually. So it's actually probably a day or two before half over. And uh, as a kid, you don't feel like that. You're already back in school, but um, a little summer vacation gone. But hey, for us, football's upon us, man. I'm very excited. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I, I'm ready to go. I've been, you know, obviously doing a lot of research, both college and pro. Uh, th- think excited for a, a for the upcoming season, and you know, there's going to be some, you know, some, some crazy stuff going on. Uh, we're well, things we're going to talk about. You know, th- they're all good, but you know, and all we can do is do our best to what we think is going to happen. But as we know, you know, that changes in a heartbeat. Uh, Could be one injury. I mean, look at uh, today. We're t- speaking of. Uh, Patrick, Tim Patrick of Denver went down today, you know, third leading receiver for their team in terms of reception, top touchdown maker, you know, that changes a lot of what they like to do, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, he was a sneaky, like, slot-type receiver. Um, I think he was playing a number one or two with the injuries, but I, I was wondering where they were going to put him this year because you have Jetty there and obviously Sutton, right? So I was thinking he'd right. throw him in the slot and then the Penn State guy – I don't know where he's going to go. He was hurt mostly all of last year. Can't remember his name offhand. But yeah, it's just injuries, injuries. You're going to see some injuries in the preseason. You're going to see some coaches taking the blame for it. It's going to be very uh, interesting. Like we saw at the Ravens last year. Holy cow! Um, old Harbaugh just uh, ran him into the ground before the season started, and you know, you know how that worked out for him. But uh, maybe he's learned his lesson. We'll see. Uh, but I'm excited to get, get into it. And, and that's funny. You make a point, you know, you can study so much in the off season, but it, sometimes the stuff just doesn't turn out for a team. And, uh, you know, you kind of feel like, man, I, I put a lot of hours into this that I didn't have to. That's why I kind of just do the main things. Um, try to just give people bullet points and summaries. And, you know, I, I kind of think that's enough. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think you need to go crazy, uh, read every single team with ev- in, in every single magazine that's out there, because for the most part, after a week or two, okay, I'm not saying the information is worthless, but it's not as useful because now you have a track record of what can happen as the season progresses. And so then it becomes the true week by week leagues. So, you know, some of those things, you know, like and injuries come about. It's, so, yeah, I... I do those same types of things. I, I try to gather as much as I can, but I don't overthink it. You know, and that's a great point. I like to go through the exercise of why did I like this team come week three, week four? And then you find out a team, maybe you lost your first bet on them or your second bet, but at the same time, are you going to get off of them or was this just the bad luck? You know, was it just the way the ball bounces? You know, you got to figure that maybe they had some bad plays. Uh, maybe all your handicapping that you did in the off season is true and it's just didn't show the first two weeks. So we have to right. remember that. And that's kind of how we try to find value within the uh, weeks three and four the strength of schedule factors in too. <laughs> Speaking of a different sport though, uh, one you love very much, one I love, we went to games together, Doug, baseball, man. You know, let's talk about that. Well, there's been a lot of crazy moves. You know, I, I thought Wilson Contreras was gone from our cubbies. Uh, I thought Hap was probably going to go, but at the same time, you know, you wonder why they didn't, but I think I have a reason why they didn't. And I somewhat agree with it. Uh, what, is, what is your take on some of these moves? 
Well, is that, go, go. Why don't you just tell me what your reasoning is? Because I have an, I have a thought on that too, and see if our, if we match up or differ on that. Let's one. say you're working in a city, and the housing market dipped a little bit, and you're selling your house because you got a job offer for more money, a lot more money in another city. And then the market, obviously, you know, you can't control that and you're not getting what you want for your house. So you have two options. You can rent the house out. It's almost like you're renting the market for a minute, just hoping it'll come back because you're not getting what you think it's worth and what the value you perceive in it. That's what the Cubs are doing. They're taking a risk. And um, if you're not getting good players for Wilson Contreras, which might be the best catcher in baseball, I understand that move. The problem is Wilson's going to come back pretty darn hard with his agent on you. And they're going to want a pretty massive contract for putting him through that in the first place. So be prepared for that. But there, there's the only way you can win out in this deal. I mean, the arbitration, I think, gives him $18 million next year. Um, but obviously, you can make him a lot happier by giving him something right away. I almost think that um, you, you, you have to get something for your guys. And so you have to take that risk. And if you're not getting trade offers, then maybe the market wasn't as big in the first place. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I think the Cubs overvalued what they had. Uh, the Wilson Contreras is, is essentially having a career year. Okay, he had a couple of good years early on, you know, when the when the Cubs were good. But he, he's, you know, at this point of his career, he's thirty years old. Uh, you know, you get in that you get in that stance every day for you know one hundred and thirty games a year. You know that takes its toll, uh, with, with rare exception. Uh, so I just don't know that the market was that strong. And in terms of, let's just say, even some of the, you, you don't see a lot of catchers moved typically at the, you know, at the trade deadline. And Ian Happ is a nice player, but is he, is he, a, is he a really good player or is he anything much more than average on a team that's contending for a world series? I think it's debatable. I mean, again, good play with the Cubs. Okay. But I don't know what that means right now, other than because it's the Cubs. I mean, we've seen this over the years when the Cubs without, with the various losing teams. So I'm just not, I just don't think there was that as much demand as what they thought there might be for these two guys. And so, and you know, with Contreras, I mean, I like him, like you said, he's having a fantastic year for him, but is, is it you know really necessary? If, if they're going to trade him, I'd say it's going to be in the off season now. For sure. And a great point. Uh, you know, I look at the Yankees and the Mets, you know, the teams that have the money, um, they could have picked up a guy like Hap. That's probably not as good as their 10 guys, right? He's below them. Um, they're, they're already kind of deep. They, no one was really in a bad injury problem because Tatis is coming back for San, uh, San Diego. They already made some moves over at San Diego, obviously the massive one with the Brewers. Um, and then you look at San Fran's not a real contender anymore. Um, there's just no team that, you know, maybe Seattle or something, but do they want to give up their farm system that they've been working so hard? That's kind of where it all comes up to. It's like, why would I take a risk on some of these players? So I think it's just the fact that these teams were a little deeper this year and uh, it's best to wait. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, you cut out there for, for one second. So I didn't hear exactly what you said, but the, I think the other point uh, that I think comes into play with all of this is the fact that now there are three wildcard teams. So that you add that to the mix, teams, you know, yes, they're looking, but also they probably like what they have at the same time. So they want the one right guy. And I think that is a different dynamic that that we saw 
this year, and I think we'll see it just going forward unless somebody's really desperate, as you said, because of injuries. All right. No, makes makes total sense to me. And the biggest shocker was Hater for me, but then you look back and I, it makes little sense. I, I guess the fact that the sad thing is the Brewers can't pay him. You know, they don't want to pay him because they don't have the money to pay him and then others, right? Isn't that where it all comes down to? They're not the Yankees. The Yankees never made that trade. And that's yeah, just a, it, it's, it's just odd though that they traded a a, a lefty for a lefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I, well, it's the future because they think the other guy might be cheaper anyway, and he's not even going to be a closer. You know, he's going to be a setup guy probably in Milwaukee. So, lefty for lefty. Yeah, it, it, I agree. It was it was a strange trade, and I don't know the the thing. And again, you know, who who knows? But if they're not going to pay him, then move him in the off season. Okay, yes. you can still do that, and or you got to the trade deadline. If, if somebody's looking for a closer, like you would have expected, like the uh, the Dodgers, excuse me, with the Dodgers would have been that would seem to have been a good choice, and the Dodgers have assets to trade, but you know it didn't happen. So, nationally, hey, congratulations to San Diego. That's what I say. Yeah, nice, nice job. They went all in, you know, put all those chips in the middle of the uh, table, and here we go. And uh, now, are they better than the Mets and the Dodgers still? Well, that's another question. Not yet, but we'll see what injuries happen now all the way through September into October. Right. And I will say that, that you made a great point. The Brewers are in first place. You're in first place, and you do this now. They complete better in the offseason. It makes absolutely no sense to do this while you're in first place. I I don't care if you have to pay them. Um, you trade them in the offseason or do your best. Uh, you can also still get value. I thought he's, they still had control over him for a year or so, right? Yeah, th through 2023. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so he's a free agent at the end of 2023. Yeah, so so they had control, and so they could have made yep. this deal in the offseason. And that was the big thing right there. It's not like they lost complete control. So huge mistake yeah. for the Brewers. The other thing I wonder, and, and, this is, and there's no way to know this, um, is – you know, he's pitched for him and actually for any closer. He has not pitched well the last month. His control has been off. His fastball has flattened out, not getting the same movement. And guys are swinging less because of his lack of control with the fastball. Guys are swinging less at, at the slider, which is typically starts at the knees and just, you know, falls off the table, you know, into the ground more often than not. Guys aren't swinging it as much. So they're kind of forced him to throw the ball up a little more and they've hit him. Okay, he's given up more walks, more hits, everything. And I wonder, there's, I mean, again, there's no way to know, but if they if they think that maybe they've gotten as much usefulness as they could have out of him. Not to say he still won't be good, but he was awesome for all those years. He's not that old, and he, I, he's under 30, isn't he? I, I, 29, 30, yeah, right yeah, in that yeah, range. Yeah, I don't quote me on that. I, mean, I, I I don't know either. I mean, I, I, I'm as baffled by you as the trade. I'm just trying to think. Well, of, well here's know, the thing. When this happens and you're in first place, you put him on the DL. You put him on the DL, give him some time off, give him a midseason break, you know, then bring him back. You know, you don't care about now nearly as much as obviously when you need him in the playoffs. It's just <laughs> right. blows my mind. All right. All right. We, we beat this thing to death. Let's go to the NFL, buddy. Uh, and this is the question that I asked you last year, but it's a fun question. Um, and I, and you can obviously give me the obvious if you want, Doug. But uh, uh, you know, maybe you can go a little bit off the the beating path here. Give me an NFL team that didn't make the playoffs last year, and you think could this year? 
Well, the now the, one of the things that we're going to do, and just so everybody knows, is that you know before we did this, Kev and I talked, you know, about what we're going to talk about, and the and basically what he wanted to talk about was very similar to like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, we had a lot of topics to discuss. So, so with that being the case, uh, with this one, I'm going to tell you that. We're going to talk about the some of these teams who, who we think might win the divisions or, or I should say over under totals. And one of the teams that I think that uh, will make the playoffs and I'll discuss further is the New Orleans Saints. I think will be back in the playoff picture this upcoming season in the NFC. Like some of the things I did, I'll go into it deeper in a little bit, but I like them. Who do you like? Well, the Vikings is pretty obvious, and you can say everyone can say the Chargers, right? The Baltimore Ravens. Oh my God! So, so you know, it's like we could like go crazy with that, but you know, let let's uh, let me let me just if I'm going to go off the grid, I'm going to say the Jaguars because they have a new coach that's been there before, and uh, you know, I mean, this is like going from worst to playoffs, which is very difficult, which the probability is against you, but that's possible in that. Uh, in that division, I think Tennessee is a little bit fortunate last year. I think the Colts, you know, Matt Ryan, well, we'll see. You know, is Matt Ryan this, the guy that we saw the last couple years or the guy with when he had Michael Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan behind him? You know, I mean, Kyle Shanahan was really, really, really good offensive coordinator. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of Ryan's success was based on that, and he doesn't have Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, I think the Jaguars have a good shot. If I'm going to go off the beaten path here, I did bet the Vikings at even money to make the playoffs. So I think the Vikings are a pretty obvious one. I guess if I was going to be, oh man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the Detroit Lions or definitely not the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be crazy three in that division. I think that, um, I think the NFC is pretty set. Um, I think the Vikings have is the only one. I guess in the East, you have a very tough Eagles team now that made some moves, and the Cowboys are the Cowboys. I just don't see the Giants or Washington doing it. Yeah. The, okay, the Saints. Um, yeah, the Saints, duh. Okay, sorry, the Saints. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's I, 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 that's 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 my choice. I mean, Minnesota would probably be my second choice, you know, from from that standpoint. And it's you know, and with more teams in the playoffs, I mean, obviously it gets harder. And the NFC compared to the AFC is more of haves and have-nots. I agree. A lot you of know, so I think it's more difficult to, as you what you're talking about. There's there's just not the depth within the conference in the NFC currently. Especially when you lose guys like Russell Wilson and Devontae Adams, you know you're you're like giving your best players away to the AFC there, which is pretty insane. Um, let me get. How about this? Let's do this. And I agree, the Saints, hundred percent. Give me an NFL team that made the playoffs last year, but might not this year. Real simple for me, and it's just, and I'm going to talk about them also, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'll, I'll start it by saying this. The Raiders made the playoffs last year, 10-7, and seven, won their last four games to get in, and they finished the season with a minus 65-point differential. Think about that for a second, minus 65. If you look at the standings over the last several years, if a team has any number like that, they typically win seven or eight games. 100%. I, think the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders are going to 
go back this upcoming season. I'll explain why further in a little bit. I 100% agree with you. And if you look at the Pythagorean win totals, the Raiders were one of the bigger teams that should have won a lot less games than they actually did last year. Very fortunate team. You could toy around the Bengals. Um, They are pretty fortunate. I still think they get in. Um, And then the Steelers, you know, is is Mitch, which Mitch are we going to get? The Mitch that the media pounded on the last five years or maybe a, a decent Mitch that has a better coach. So so we'll see with Steelers, but they were a little bit fraudulent last year too. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is Tomlin though. He seems to sneak in there somehow. Uh, let's get right into these divisions then, my man. We'll start with the NFC North. As you know, I'm the lowly bear fan that bet the bears under six and a half, uh, wins. And I did get plus money on that. So it's at minus 150 in most books under six and a half. Now, um, I am not going to steer away from that. I just hope that my bears can, uh, either be nine and eight, 10 and seven and make the playoffs, or I'm really happy that they're under six because they need some draft picks. You know, I, I hate the seven and eight and nine win teams that don't make the playoffs, hate them, but, uh, we'll do, we'll stick with that. And then, uh, the, the, the Vikings to make the playoffs was my other play. As I mentioned earlier, anything in the NFC North. Yes, I the uh, I, then now you can't call me a homer on this one because I got I got the things lined up I got the facts behind me here but I, I still think the Packers okay are good okay the over under is eleven uh, at most sports books uh, and in fact their their odds to to win the uh, Super Bowl actually dropped. Uh, over the last month from 1,200 down to a, about 1,000. I still think Aaron Rodgers, even at 39, is still one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. Some may debate that, but that's just that's my opinion. But where I think that they're still going to be strong, Matt LaFleur does a great job in terms of uh, preparation for his teams in the regular season. So I, I like what they do on a regular basis. The loss of De- Devontae Adams is going to matter. But I think that the offensive line might be a little stronger this year. I think they'll still depend on the running game. And they're going to have Robert Tunyon back at tight end. So I think that's a key piece. I think this team is going to probably be a little more dependent on the tight end, tight ends, excuse me, especially early uh, compared to what before. And that defense, I mean, the Packers have not been known for defense, but I believe this year they're going to line up seven number one picks going into this for this season. I think the defense is the strength of the team. So I don't have a problem taking the Packers over the 11 on this one. Now, if you're asking me who's going to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> everything I just said great about Matt LaFleur, I take away once the postseason starts, Kiev, because oh, he has God. he has proven he has not gotten the job done the playoffs. So, but for the, for the regular season in this division, I like the Packers over 11. All right. So, so here's the one thing. I like their draft a lot. I, I couldn't believe the players they got there. I had Christian Watson in, in my rankings as one of the better, like top three, top four receivers going out. I really did. He's tall, he's fast, mass, amazing, measurable. Of course, he played for Division two college, so we have to see how that is when he gets jammed by the cornerbacks off the line. But uh, I, I was shocked that they got him in round two, to be honest. I, I had the Packers slate him from round one, but, geez, you know, get, I mean, getting a guy from uh, Devontae Wyatt, Holy cow. I mean, I had him probably as my best defensive tackle coming in. So I'm like, Jesus, Packers, <laughs> man. What the hell gives? And if if he – him and Lazard is going to be running the receivers, I pretty much – I appreciate I – mean, you got Sammy Watkins there. I'm not sure what's left in the tank. But 
One thing I will say is the Packers did have the worst uh, Pythagorean win totals. They're only 10th in uh, offensive points per game and 10th on giving them up on defense. They're really a 10-win team instead of a 13-win team going by Pythag. It's kind of the opposite of uh, – well, it's the same, actually, what you said for the Raiders because it's they, they overachieved. But I always say that there's clutchness involved in this. You have to – so when I'm doing my season win totals, I, I, I take – the Pythagorean, and I take what actually happened, and I kind of mush it together a little bit because there's clutchness to football. It doesn't, you know, if Aaron Rodgers needs to get the touchdown, he can get it. You know, he's one of those quarterbacks you trust. So, um, I I'm not so sure about going over 11 wins. I think they're in the playoffs. I think it's it's between them and the Vikings because I also really like the Vikings draft. So I will uh, I will a little bit disagree on your season win total, but I think they're in the playoffs. Let's all move- right. Let's move on to the next division, and we're looking at the NFC South here. And you said the Saints are going to make the playoffs. I bet them plus 400 to win the division, Doug. So, I mean, I took over eight wins on the Saints. I am all over the Saints. I think Tampa did two nice things since I made these bets. They got Akeem Hicks from the Bears. But what they're going to learn is Akeem Hicks doesn't like to play 17 games. He, he he'll show up when he you know at times he's that, at the same time he's kind of like that replacement for Damakon Sue. But they lost just a ton of people over in Tampa. Lots of depth. Um, Fournette's getting a little bit older. Tom Brady, obviously the man that never ages. I, something's got to give. New coach. Now that's a big thing here. New coach. I think that they're susceptible. I think there's some injury. They get unlucky on some injuries. Finally, I think the injury bug will hit them, and then you got the Saints there creeping up that could take that division. I think plus four hundred was a great value. What are your thoughts on the NFC South? Yeah, I, I like the Saints too. Now they the Saints also have a new coach, so that, I mean that you still have that aspect and. Uh, We'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But I just look at their offense. I mean, it's it's hard to say this, but Jameis Winston, after last year, looks like he could actually be a productive quarterback. Not that he wasn't productive. The problem with him, he was always counterproductive to with all his interceptions. So, But that seems to have – he seems to have gotten over that. So I think that's a big deal. Now he's going to have Michael Thomas back. Got a great uh, threat, deep threat, with Chris Olave from Ohio State. I think this offense is going to be good, and it looks like uh, Kamara is not going to get suspended because now his trial was, or the even the hearing was moved back until October, and so the trial date's not set. So I think he's going to play the whole season. So I think those are all positives. The defense was ranked seventh last year, Kiev, uh, fourth in scoring. You know they had some problems against better clubs, but I, I just think this team's going to be ready to go. And the you know over. Uh, you know, I think it's over. I think they're nine and a half, as I recall. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take over nine and a half with this team. And as you said, with an outside chance to win the division. Wow, is it up to nine and a half now? Yes. Holy cow! Maybe it was over nine that I took then. Um, I, I'll have to look back because I would be shocked if it was at eight and I got that much value. I think it was probably over nine, but I I still like them to win the division. But there is one thing they're going against me, Doug. One thing. It's Jennifer Lopez because every year Jennifer Lopez gets married, Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl. I heard that stat. I think it was from VSAN or somewhere. <laughs> J-Lo I, might be ripping up my ticket this year, my man. I, you know, I, I got to write this down so I got to put it in my systems <laughs> so that I have, so I can make sure to uh, follow that as we go along, especially as the years advance. We know who to blame now, right? We know who to blame. That's uh, that's where we can go after. All right. Let's move it to the NFC East, Doug. You have the floor. 
Who do you like in the NFC East or any season? Well, I, I, I know I sound chalky here, but, you know, after years of doing this and trying to always, uh, let's just say what we what I mentioned before, overthink things, I'm just going with, you know, what seems to be, to me, the most obvious of plays and the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is a good example, though, here of, and Kev knows this and many of the listeners I know know this as well, but for those that don't, this is why you have multiple sports books, okay, like the Dallas Cowboys, because depending on where you go, they're either 10 or 10 and a half. That's huge, okay, in terms of what you know what to bet. So with the Dallas Cowboys, I like them to go over. I think they're going to be fine without Amari Cooper. I think they got more than enough talent on the perimeter to get the job done. Do these players have to be more consistent? Yes, they do. Than, than what they've shown in the past, but I think they will. I think this team will mature. The offensive line might be a little bit thinned out, but typically Dallas always finds a way to have a strong offensive line. I don't think it's going to change. Dak Prescott, proven winner, Super Bowl quarterback, eh, kind of starting to take on the characteristics of Tony Romo, to be perfectly honest, at least from this chair. But I, you know, I still think they have more than enough. The defense last year was top three uh, in, I believe, in points, I think in yardage and, and, and among, I think, the top five in terms of points allowed. So that's a, still a stout group. I think they're. I think the division is winnable. They're going to win. They got four wins with Washington and the Giants. They split with Philadelphia. I think they'll take be able to take care of business. So I'm going to go. Ideally, I would say the ten. Okay, to go to eleven to get to eleven. But in that in this case, I still like the Cowboys here, either at ten or ten and a half to get the job done and win the division and fail in the playoffs again. You Carson Wentz hater, come on, man. Washington, jeez. <laughs> No, man. I, I here's the thing. I the NFC East has the easiest schedules in football because they play the AFC South and the yep. NFC North. And so there you go. Poor Bears, poor Lions, poor Jaguars, <laughs> poor Houston. And you know, it's just nothing up top there that really I mean Packers, yeah, I guess. But um you know, the Packers can have some hiccups. It is uh, a, I like both really over. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys can do it. I already bet the Eagles, and I gave that away weeks ago over nine and a half. And just to let you know, you might have to empty the bank account here, Doug, because it is at eight on DraftKings, minus 140 on the Saints here. So uh, DraftKings, a book, book that is available, widely available in Arizona. You have a great shot to grab that eight if you're looking for it. But the fact that you said nine and a half really makes me feel good about it. So thank you for that. Um, I like the Eagles. I'm not going to get crazy with the Eagles winning the division either because um, I, I think I think Dallas can win it again too. Uh, you know, they're a great regular season team. At, they don't even need a coach really, McCarthy there. And uh, I don't know a ton about Sirianni yet. They were kind of that team that beat up the bad teams and lost against the good teams because they had the running game, you know. They could pound the bad te- bad teams to bits because they would just run over them. And the good teams, they couldn't catch them really because Hurts wasn't really quite that quarterback. So that's where uh, your, your bread is buttered with the Eagles. Hopefully it'll be the same this year from a betting standpoint. Let's move on to the NFC West. And obviously the NFC West was the best conference, if not still. I would argue the AFC West for now but um you, you had this cardinals team that started out amazing kyler murray was like even money or something not even to win the mvp is probably juicing there's probably you're probably laying juice back there about game eight then they just completely falter and then uh you got the the rams that you know 
lost a few guys, but they're they'll make their moves midseason. You know they'll. You know, Von Miller, they lost, but so what? That's the guy they picked up. OD, Odell Beckham, well, they got Robinson now. You know, they're they're pretty okay right there in L.A. You got the Niners with maybe the be- one of the best coaches, in my opinion, in Shanahan. And I, I completely am bl- mind blown about what they're doing with Jimmy Garoppolo there. I think they had a winning quarterback, and that could be their downfall. But they, they must know something more than me. You know, because that rookie did not look that good last year. And then uh, it's just, it's not really up in the air because Seattle's bad and they're supposed to be really bad unless they make some sort of a move. Um, But like maybe they, maybe they get Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't see the Niners trading to Seattle. But I'm going to go, I I, I think that I have no play in this. I I couldn't find value. I just felt like it, it was all correct. Well, I'm going to step in then and, and fill the gap, and I'm going to take, not a surprise, the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl champions on this one. They are, I believe, listed at 10 and a half. And, you know, I look at what they did, and they went, you know, we mentioned about going all in. Well, this is another team that went all in, and it worked out for them. Great, great decisions. Everything came out perfectly for them. That does not always happen. We see that in sports all the time. But you, you look at their roster, though. You know, they didn't lose much. I mean, yeah, there's there was a couple guys. Von Miller, you know, came later in the year, so he was a starter, yes. And, you know, and Odell Beckham, that's still up in the air. But, you know, and Whitford at left tackle. But I think Whitford, he was 40 years old. He's replaceable. Good run blocker uh, and, and such. But they're still set up as more of a running team. Matthew Stafford will throw interceptions and make some really dumb plays. But he still has Cooper Cup. So if they can run the ball, they got Cooper Cup, and you know uh, they got a, more than enough talent. And I think though you'll see also, by the way, more usage of the tight end with Stafford now that he's more familiar with what he has on this team. So I like what they do there defensively. <laughs> you know, you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Heck of a place to start. They got play. They got a, lots of different guys that 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 fill in, play a number of different roles. I like what what they have going there. And this team now has the confidence. Hey, you know what? You win a Super Bowl, you got a lot of swagger, right? You bring back basically the same same group of guys, and you have Seattle, who is definitely going down. You, as you just mentioned, San Francisco seems a little iffy with a, a quarterback, even though San Francisco has dominated the Rams the last several years. I think that I think they should be able to split with them. And Arizona, you know, I don't know. I, I, that team confuses me as much as any in the NFL. I'm just I'm not sold on Kyler Murray being maybe a top ten quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury, eh. So you know, I, I look at them. They got a tough schedule. The Rams do, no question about it. But I just don't. I look at this team that is comfortable with who they are. They believe in who they are, and I think they'll be able to step up. And I think they'll win the division. Probably get to twelve wins. Probably maybe eleven. Okay. I, I think this is a team that still has a lot going for it. Am I picking them to win the Super Bowl? I will not. But you know what? I think it's still a loaded team that has a lot of talent that believes in itself. Yeah, I don't disagree because I have my number probably closer to 11 for the Rams. So um, I think they have a great shot to win this easily. And uh, we'll just see what happens with San Fran. It's, that's really the only thing I'm worried about. And I'm not too worried about the Cardinals either, unfortunately. You know what's going for you? you got Cooper Cup, and he's the best receiver in football. You can check every fantasy draft right now. It's Cooper Cup going off the board yep. first at wide receiver. So that gives Christian Watson hope because Cooper Cup played for like Eastern Washington, <laughs> uh, you right. know, FCS, Division 
into type football and so did Christian Watson. So maybe a little rookie of the year here with Christian Watson with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. That, that thing's priced in the, you know, 50 to 100 to 1 area. They might throw some beer money on that. What the hell? There you go. Let's move on. We have the AFC now and we're going to start with the AFC North. Obviously, lots of craziness going on with the quarterback situation in Cleveland here with Deshaun Watson. Um, we don't get, need to get political, but at least know for now it's uh, six games. But you know that more people are going to come out because you know that's what happens. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like keeps. It's like, is this for like everything? I'm confused. It's like, what else could make this change? You know, you just don't know. You know, really ugly situation. Um. And then you have the Baltimore Ravens that have the fourth place schedule that still has Lamar Jackson going for them. Really scratched my head getting rid of Marquise Brown. I, I thought that Marquise Brown was maybe a distraction there. He kind of wanted the ball more, and that's not the type of offense that they had. So the Cardinals picked him up because of the uh, DeAndre Hopkins suspension, really, in my opinion. Yep. But uh, then you have... The Pittsburgh Steelers that always seems to sneak in, but yeah, I'd rather fade Mitch than be on him unless I'm getting a big fat price. Comeback player of the year, possibly for uh, Mitch, as I discussed in my last episode. And then, you know, Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals, very fortunate last year, but they had some really ugly losses against the Jets last year. I remember they got just yep. pounded against the Jets. And I think there was another uh, bad team that beat them last year, too. And then they did beat the Chiefs, and the Chiefs had them dead to nuts both games and just coaching mishaps and uh, having Mahomes just, you know, he, he was supposed to be coasting kind of game over at halftime and then blew it in the playoffs. That That's what happened with them. They actually should have almost lost the Tennessee game if it wasn't for those ugly interceptions that Tannehill threw. And the Raiders yep. game was pretty close. You know, it's like I can't be super high on them. So I'm going with the Ravens to win this division. I got plus 200 on it. That thing went down. Since I bet it, but it's uh, it's still I still like it. I, I you got a fourth place schedule. You got a motivated team. I like what Lamar Jackson's saying in the off season. And I took Lamar Jackson at MVP at twenty to one because I give a guy of that power with a coach of that great like John Harbaugh with a schedule of a fourth place. I, I everything's just leading up to this team winning it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it came I, of the picks for the that we're doing here. This is the one that uh, the division I thought was the hardest. I, you know, Baltimore was certainly one I considered. I actually liked Pittsburgh under, but Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Now, if he's going to have one, it would seem like it would be this one. But you know, I'm like, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt here. So this is just more of a lean with Cincinnati on this one to go over the nine and a half. One of the things that you know, I mean. Let's face it, Burrow's the real deal. Okay. There's nothing here not to like about him. His swagger, everything about the guy. He raises the, the level of, of his team, just carries him on his shoulder when he needs to at times. I think their offensive line has they've they addressed a number of those issues. So I think they're going to be better than 23rd in rushing this upcoming season. If that's the case, that'll be a big help because I think defenses will look to take away the the deep pass that was you know that they used so often so effectively last year. Their defense though was underrated. They were fifth against the run, so that front seven was really tough last year. Doesn't mean that's going to be the case this year, but I think their secondary will be somewhat improved. It, you know, Baltimore seems to be kind of in flux a little bit. I'm just I'm not. They're not really going anywhere. It seems. Uh, Pittsburgh certainly has taken a step backwards there. 
it just it's kind of like the lesser of evil. Cincinnati as a team is the one team that really does seem on the rise. So, uh, you know, kind of a weak choice here, but I'll take the over nine and a half with the Bengals to get the job done. And, you know, I just think it's a, it's a solid ball club that is, like I said, the big thing is it's on the rise still, at least to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Bengals is a is an issue for that division. I think they're probably the second best team in that division. I would have to say, and um, I, I even though they're fortunate last year, they picked their they fixed their offensive line. They signed three studs from yep. free agency, and that is more for sure than drafting guys. Uh, you can just see how the Bears are dealing with Tevin Jenkins right now. <laughs> that was a high <laughs> draft pick from last year. Oh my God. But they made the right moves. And so maybe now Burrow is protected. That's going to be good. But Cincinnati with a first-place schedule in the AFC does not leave me a good taste in my mouth. So that is a big concern for me, and that makes me go towards the Ravens. Let's move on to the AFC South. And then, obviously, the Titans had home field advantage until they didn't. (laughs) Lots of anger. They trade A.J. Brown, which at first when it happened on draft day, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? And then about a day or two later, I was like, that was the right move probably. The guy, they were run first offense. The guy wanted all the money in the world. You know, it pissed Tannehill off, but at the same time, you know, you got to play better Tannehill. And they at least got a very good receiver in the draft So um, from uh, Arkansas there. So here's the thing. A lot of people are getting cute and betting the Jaguars. So before I'm going to give you a play, I'm going to see what you have in the AFC South. Well, I'm going to go with the Colts. Um, the you know I don't know why the Colts actually don't go out and get a you know at least draft a quarterback. I'm kind of puzzled about that. Uh, you know they have a lot of they have a lot of good pieces as a team. I think their defense will be uh, their defense has, hasn't been bad the last several years. A couple of years ago, there was actually they had a really good defense. But you know their defense is still solid across the board. Like what they have there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. The running game's in good hands. Uh, Matt Ryan, six years removed from a MVP, not the quarterback that he used to be, but he, but I think what they're looking for is somebody that doesn't make mistakes, somebody that, you know, seemingly can still play and having a running game, which is a great thing for an older quarterback to have. I think that's a big plus. So it just, with with the different pieces and components that they have, Tennessee seems to be on the way down. I'm, you know, Jacksonville, we still have to see something from them. Houston's a disaster. You know, we don't nothing to to like there. I ju- I just look at the Colts and I see, you know what? This is still uh, it's a solid club. You know, I think to win this division, I don't think it's going to take more than ten wins to win it. And if any team, who's the first team that I can see getting the ten wins? I think it's the Colts. So I'm going to go with this team. And if the receiving core happens to work together with Ryan and he develops a rapport with them, it's a young group. And if they develop a rapport, though, by midseason or, or something, this team's going to be pretty dangerous, maybe come playoff time. I like I like the Colts to get the job done and reach 10 wins, making them an overplay for me. I don't disagree with that. I like Jonathan Taylor so much, as you know, as a Badger. And um, I, I do question their offensive line a little bit, um, but and I question Matt Ryan. I love the coach Frank Reich. Their defense should be good. As a matter of fact, they're like the third or fourth fantasy drafted defense. I'm noticing right now, which okay. makes me really scratch my head. Um, probably because they're in that division, I guess. But uh, 
No, I, I don't disagree with that. A lot of people think the Jaguars have a chance at plus 700, but I like Doug Peterson for coach of the year at plus 1,800 because if this team sniffs the playoffs, if they get the wild card, I don't see how you cannot give coach of the year to Doug Peterson after getting fired in Philly. Coming back, bring this team to the playoffs. You can win this and lose the division bet and still get your 18-1. to I like Peterson here at 18-1, and I think you're going to have some options throughout the season. You know, there's going to be some other uh, – you can have some outs is what I'm trying to say. You can possibly bet uh, another coach of the year if uh, you kind of see him creeping up. But 18-1 to gives you a lot of room, Doug. Yeah, that, I, I like that as as well. I think you made a uh, you know a, a smart choice with that one, and you know he's the type of coach. He's a, he's obviously a player's coach. He does a lot of things that they like to do. You can question some of his decision making along the way. You know that just that's his choice, and that's how he wants to coach. So that's that's how he's going to coach. So from that standpoint, that's fine. You know, and, and but it'll get this team excited. And after last year's disaster, you know, I, I think. Yeah, I think they could definitely be improved. I guess I would just like to see something, some of it first, you know, before. But for a preseason move with what you're talking about for a coach of the year and a team that could be on the rise, you know what? There's, you know, if any team that you want to look at, I think potentially they have the best, let's just say, upside of the lower, lower tier teams. Fair enough. Let's move on to the AFC East. And I have nothing. <laughs> I, I mean the Buffalo Bills. Is that I, I, all I know is that I'm probably I don't like Miami as much as other people, and I'll probably be fading them um, in certain situations. Um, I'm not quite ready to take their under season win total nine. I think mm, it's, uh, but the talent they could get to nine, but it's just I I just think that Tua left handed quarterback is overhyped right now. I think Tyreek Hill uh, way different getting balls thrown from Tua than Mahomes right now. I I think he can be a little bit of a pissant during the season if he's not getting his share. You got a lot of you got some receivers there, you know, guys from a lot of guys from Bama. Um and then you got uh you know the Jets, which supposedly had the greatest draft, but has that ever mattered with the Jets, right? They kind of just waste their guys there. Um I'm 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 not taking over on the Jets. I'm not taking on I think the Jets my number is like five point eight for season wins. So I have no play. Any thoughts? All right. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the Miami. I'm not on Miami Dolphins. I'm not uh, overexcited about the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to lie to you. There's, but I would agree there is not much else to like. And so, again, this is the, the least of the evils on this one. Um, I get the whole Tua haters thing, you know, but he, you know, and it seems to be it's more with him mentally than physically, seem, seemingly some of his problems because he can throw a I mean, we saw in Alabama, he can throw a, deep, a great deep ball, okay? And, and he's and he's done it at Miami as well. He's just not consistent. So there just seems to be a little something here, you know, like, and maybe maybe some a different type of coaching, uh, I'd say maybe a, a better quarterback relationship with, with one of his coaches could be the difference. I mean, the weapons are there now. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Jacecki at tight end. I mean, there, there's enough to like there. And But as, as I mentioned this before already, but – when you have a quarterback to me that is, let's just say, middle of the road or to back end, uh, a quarterback, he's got to have a running game. And so if he has a running game, that makes the play action pass game stronger, deep ball more effective. So they were 30th last year running the ball, the Dolphins were. If they get to 20th, 
I mean, I'm not looking for them to go, you know, just crazy. But if they can get to 20th, I think that's going to improve that offense dramatically. And so I think they'll be in good shape. Defense was solid last year. I keep saying solid. They were good last year, ranked 15th overall. But but the thing is, they closed 8-1, and one, okay, after a 1-7 and seven start. I think there's enough here for this team to get to nine wins. I saw them for eight and a half. I think they can get to nine wins. Not going to be enough to win the division, but I, I think this team is still good enough. I think they're improved enough. And from all the reports of this coach, this McDaniel, this coach, he's supposedly a really good players coach. And so we'll see, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go that way. Okay. In this division. And uh, I'll stick my neck out there as opposed to you having to pass. Yeah, I'm more fading this team, man. But I'll tell you, it's funny. You got Josh McDaniels and Mike McDaniel. So you got to add the S for the Broncos. Mike, you know. There you go. That's right. You're right. That's going to mess some people up this year. Just remember that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't like their offensive line. Um, That's really my issue, too. Taron Armstead, Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams. I think that's where they suffered last year. And they went 8-1 and one last year, but they also had the easiest schedule in the NFL last yes. year. So um, um, great finish. And they figured out the defense. By, they started blitzing, but they got rid of their defensive coach. So, you know, lots of questions for that for me there. Let's move on. And I, what's left? We have the AFC West. Man, this is where all the action is. You got the Kansas City Chiefs saying, hey, Tyreek, you know what? You're good, but you're going to slow down over the years. And, you know, we'll pick up a couple guys, Juju Smith-Schuster there, we'll draft a few, you know, and then uh, we'll let you go bye-bye because Patrick Mahomes is the best and uh, our coach eats cheeseburgers and loves them. And then you got the Chargers that should have made the playoffs and completely blew it at the end of the season. I mean, that was a crumble almost as bad as the Colts last year. Yeah, I guess we could have said the Colts was the team to make the playoffs this year, right? <laughs> Jesus. Um, they better make the playoffs, both these teams. Um, the Raiders certainly improved with Devontae Adams, but you got a new coach there. And I thought their interim coach did great last year. Personally, I was like kind of thinking, why didn't you hire him? I was like, you got this team motivated. They made the playoffs with nothing, but you know, their Pythag was way low, just like you said. Um, and then you got the Broncos with Russell Wilson and I love my Badgers and I love Russell Wilson, but I also think that he's kind of, uh, I just almost feel like he's the kid works hard. But I just feel like his care is a little bit more towards his social media outlets than his football team in a way that injury to Patrick hurt. I I made a bet that uh, the Denver will go on under 10 wins. And uh, I I like that bet. And I mean, I care. I don't care if they have a fourth place schedule. It's still the AFC, which is tough. So they'll they'll, they'll get their win against the Jets. Maybe Jacksonville. I don't know. But um, I I liked I I played uh, the the Chargers to win the division at plus 250, and I played the Chiefs to win the division at plus 175. Your blended odds is 112.5 because you're getting plus money on the two best teams to win. So I found that nugget. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good strategy on that one. Uh, as I mentioned, the team that I'm going to go against is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you know, I said the minus 65 point differential, third head coach in a year, third different head coach in a year third different defensive coordinator in a year. So that that changes a lot of dynamics of what's going on with this team. Uh, You could make, you know, Derek Carr, good quarterback, uh, 
probably uh, maybe slightly above average uh, overall, but likely or at, at or say at worst uh, the fourth best quarterback in the division. Also, I mean, it, there's just there's a lot of talented quarterbacks in this one in this division that that can win a lot of games. I, I you know I just can't. I can't pull the trigger on this team. I don't think it's, I just don't think it's that good. I think there's things that they have to overcome in, in a really hard division. Their, their total is eight and a half. I think they're just going to be an, you know, an eight and nine team. They'll, they'll likely lose some games they should win. Okay. Or could win. And cause that's just who the Raiders are. And so from that standpoint, I'm going to go under with them for this particular uh, aspect uh, for betting. Yeah, I mean, everyone's been fading the Raiders over the years because of their travel schedule and stuff, and the Raiders just kept conquering. Uh, you know, it just blows my mind. But now they're switching coaches, and I, my thought with the Raiders is I'm going to bet them probably as a dog. I, I think they, as a dog, they come in vicious, like they did to the Cowboys last year, like they did to the Steelers the very first game of the season. You know, it's just they come in, right. but but when they they're a favorite, then then oh, then forget it. <laughs> You know, I think I think this is kind of like you're in favor of the rate. I mean, they were a dog to the Eagles, I believe, when they played at home and then they beat the Eagles. You know, it was just some yep. crazy games. Uh, what the Raiders pulled out last year. But that's my that's just kind of what my anecdotal thoughts are on the Raiders. So um, I'm just excited for some football, man. And uh, we got the Hall of Fame game coming up this weekend, which the Raiders are involved with. So we'll see how much time Derek Carr plays. We just found out that uh, the the uh, Jake Luton is going to be playing the whole game for the Jaguars because uh, Trevor Lawrence is uh, sitting out, and Beathard is still got a little injury. But Luton, I kind of like him. So we'll see how that is. But real quick before we go, Doug, I have to ask you, who's going to win the college football national championship, Alabama or Ohio State? Well, if, if those are the two choices, and it's, it's hard to say that those aren't the two best choices, I'm going to take Alabama, and I'm, and I'm just going to take them for this reason. I think that defensively, they're stronger. I think this team, I, and I could be wrong on this, but I think this team is going to be better than the last two teams that they've had. One of them won a national championship. I, I think the offensive line will be stronger. I think there's more depth on defense. I think there's more speed on defense and more power, especially in the defensive line. So I like Alabama to, to once again, with Nick Saban, do the job. I'm not a fan of Ohio State's defense. I like Jim Knowles as their new defensive quarter, uh, coordinator a great deal, but I think there's just going to be a transition period. I don't think it's going to come all together. If they're in the championship game, no surprise if, if those two teams are facing off against one another because offensively they're going to be unstoppable, but I think Alabama's defense is the difference in why they win the national championship. Well, you know me. I'm going with the Big Ten, baby. I'm going Ohio <laughs> State Buckeyes here. I mean, after what I they did to Utah in that Rose Bowl, one of the best. Geez, the Rose Bowls have been so dang good over the past 10 years, man. What an exciting show that was. That was probably, I mean, that made the playoffs actually look kind of bad. <laughs> it, was, it was the Rose Bowl. It was all about that. But it was so fun watching. And, and Ohio State's defense did stink. And I think that is just embarrassing for them. But they're still the five-star caliber team that's coming in. They also returned their quarterback. Uh, you know, they returned. I, I like Knowles. I think he's going to come in and fix it because I think that's what he did at Oklahoma State. He kind of gave them heart and gave them the ability to beat the Oklahomas and Texases and things like that. 
So uh, I, I'm going to give it to Ohio State, and I'm, I'm going to give it to them because I got six to one early in the year. You know, now <laughs> it's down to three to one. So <laughs> I got to root for my bet, and I won't be edging that to the very final game. I'm going to lose it. Or I'm, or I'm going to wait to the very final game, and I'm just going to maybe put a unit on the other side. Try to get my money back plus like a dime or something. So we'll see what happens, Doug. But, you know, I'm excited for this football season. But, man, where could our listeners get your great information and plays? Okay, where, where you can do that, well, it's Doug Upstone, just like it sounds, at, at DocSports.com. Uh, coming up on three years uh, that I'll have been at Docs and have been in the industry a long time in a variety of roles, mostly as a handicapper, but doing a lot of, of different things. Uh, when it comes to football, I've won the last two years at Docs, and I've won four of the last five. When I say football, I'm talking about college and pro. Last year, had a super year in the NFL, 45 and 31, up over $5,800 based on units. Year before, I closed fantastic. Fantastic in college football at 40 and 22, up I think it was $5,700 in terms of units. So strong record, a lot of number one titles, a lot of number one, uh, or excuse me, top 10 finishes in monitors, because I still get my picks monitored at a variety of sites to prove that, you know, hey, I'm competing with everybody from, from that standpoint. If you're looking for something different out of a Doug Upstone, uh, also, you can go to bookmakersreview.com. And I write a column three times a week. It's called The Pulse. And we cover a lot of aspects of betting in all areas and some other kind of fun stuff as well. I'm doing college previews right now there. Uh, the, the, each conference covering kind of the top teams, which what teams to look for to win it or dark horses, and just a variety of topics. So, hey, you know what? Kiev's trying to take my title as the hardest working guy in foot in, in sports handicapping. So he keeps the pressure on me. I got to keep going. And so I'm just trying to keep him, keep him away. Okay. A little bit. He's cut. He's coming up fast on me with how well his website and everything is doing and all the stuff he's doing. So congratulations to you, Kiev. Love to see a hardworking guy like yourself doing it too. And we're having a lot of fun at the same time. Well, you certainly set a high standard, Doug. Thank you so much for the kind words, my man. Can't wait to get into the football season and see all of your wonderful articles at all of the sites that you just mentioned. You take care this weekend, and we'll be texting. That sounds great, Kia. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Now it's time for a little UFC on ESPN here. We have a fun one coming up this weekend. We have Santos versus Hill. And before I get into this card, a little recap from last weekend. We did pretty good, I guess, compared to what others have did. I think we're actually down a couple units thanks to Nunez BSing us. Uh, but the problem with that fight, it was a fantastic fight. Still very one-sided fight. Like People like want to rate this one of the greatest female fights. Now, this fight was completely one-sided. Nunez beat the shit out of Pena. Everything in my handicap went through except for the way I bet this fight. Right fighter, wrong bet. And of course, Nunez comes out after the fight and says, I wanted to last five rounds just to show her who the greatest is. I don't know how much truther is into that because I could have swore that she said that she wants to finish her before the fight actually happened. But I wish she would have told me that because we did bet Nunez inside the distance and by submission. So in the fifth round, she has her in the rear naked choke, uh, twisting her head, cranking on that neck. She just seemed to slip out. And maybe Nunez did let her out and wanted to just pile drive her into the ground again because that's all Nunez did. Just kind of pounded her. 
She also played smart. She she backed off a lot. She calculated her punches. Then, like I said, what was my biggest reason last week? Takedown defense for Pena was 22%. Well, that thing's going to go way down even after this week because she could not stop a takedown. Nunez did correct. It just happened to go the five rounds, which would have turned our night completely over, being that she was our largest play. But we still did well because we got Pantoja by submission at plus 500. We also got him as a pretty large play at minus 163. Kind of some bad beats as well with Anthony Smith breaking his leg on uh, Magomed on Kalayov. That's that's usually a bad beat when that happens. It doesn't mean he's going to win anyway. I mean, we're going for a plus 400, plus 450 guy. But um, I, I just thought he had better shot if he wouldn't have broke his foot in the first round. He actually came out in the second round with a broken foot. And what the heck is that ref doing stopping that Derek Lewis fight? Yeah, he kind of went to the ground and sprawled, but that was just to avoid some of the blows. Massively stopped early. And there's a lot of people say, well, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I'm like, well, then stop it after one punch. You know, I mean, what are you talking about? Let them fight a little bit. It was just a few blows. Yes, he had them. It wasn't dead nuts had them. Lewis could have got out of that. And the fact that he stopped the fight was just a massive uh, beat on the total of that fight. Now, the way those those fists were flying, maybe it would have went under anyway. But if they if they, no one would have went down, they would have been tired out. And they would have just been sitting around dancing the whole rest of the first round. Maybe into the second, we would have had the shot on that over. But no complaints here. Want to move on to this new card coming up. We have Tiago Santos versus Jamahal Hill. And Jamahal Hill, up and coming beast. I mean, that's why he is like minus 280, I want to say, minus 310 now. And then you got Tiago Santos plus 250. You know, I'm not going to disagree with the price on this fight. It should be. Uh, minus 280, minus 310, and there's a couple reasons, and I'm let me get into it. Hill lost to Paul Craig. That was pretty much his only loss, right? He had no contest. Something happened um, back in uh, 2020 against Abreu, but he beat OSP. He lost by submission of Paul Craig. It was really, it says punches and elbows, but he was stuck in an arm bar, and then uh, kept hitting uh, Paul kept hitting him and just like Paul does and that's the whole reason you saw Uzdemir not get on top of him and that fight going to decision but Paul Craig is a submission artist and he was just young and got caught in it then he beats the crap out of Jimmy Crute in one round then he beats the crap out of Johnny Walker in one round hell I don't even think you can get good odds on him knocking out Santos in the first round now here's the thing with Santos there is nobody at the light heavyweight class that has the strength of schedule as Tiago Santos has had. Tiago Santos just lost a five-round decision to Magomed Ankalaev, you know, the number one contender there. Then you have Johnny Walker. He actually beat Johnny Walker, but how the hell did it take you five rounds to do it? That was a decision, but he still beat him. Johnny Walker's not good. But then he lost to Alexander Rakic going the full distance of three rounds. Lost to Glover Kashera, the one that just gave up the belt, right? almost won against Yuri would have won for the points if uh he never got choked out at the end um and then he lo- uh lost to John Jones the possibly best ever at 205 a lot of people say John Jones is waiting for a contract it's been really sad that we couldn't see him fight but at the same time he's been in a lot of trouble and that was a split decision split decision with John Jones 
John Blakovich he beat, the former champion earlier this year, Jim Manoa, Eric Anders, Kevin Holland. I mean, dude, this guy has beaten Anthony Smith back in 2018. He lost to David Branch somehow, got KO'd by him. But seriously, nobody has had the the strength of schedule that he has. He had knocked out Jack Hermanson, who just beat uh, Craig. It's just amazing. But Santos is beat down. He's 38 years old. Lots of ring wear on him. 22 and 10. Ugh, his knees are just in bad shape. He's been going to decision a lot just because he hasn't been quite as aggressive. But unfortunately for Santos, he's going to have to be aggressive. Okay, He's going to have to go for this one. Um, Jamahal Hill is massively hyper-aggressive. Let's look at the stats here. Jamahal Hill, 7.06 significant strikes landed per minute, 51% accuracy. He doesn't sub. He doesn't take down. Tiago uh, Santos, 3.77, 52% accuracy. He hasn't subbed anyone in years, so I'm not worried about that. Santos is just going to be kind of taking his distance and playing a counter-striking game. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but what I will say is Jamal Hill is not experienced like Santos is. And Santos has fought these fighters before. He knows how to counter against him. And that's what's going to leave Jamal Hill, Hill possibly susceptible. Um, Santos could clock him. I mean, he can get himself in trouble here. So I, I worry about Hill a little bit. And looking at some of the, let's just go into the prop markets here. Under one and a half, plus 112. Under two and a half, minus 163, minus 185, minus 177, minus 165. And then you have three and a half, under two, minus 275. And you know how it is. This is a five-round fight. So Hill wins by TKO, minus 157. You have to lay juice for a prop like that, you know? I mean, there's probably even a slight chance Hill could submit him. I don't know. That's a big price to play. Santos by TKO is a little bit more attractive at plus 400, plus 480. Um, I'm not even going to look at the submissions here, but Santos inside the distance plus 380, and then you have Hill wins inside the distance minus 164, minus 165. Close to the same as KO since Hill doesn't really submit anybody. You're not getting anything for that. Hill wins in round one. I see a plus 200. I see a plus 260 that in a book that I can't get. Unibet. It's probably going to be around plus 200 for the most part. I, I just, I, I respect Cian, uh, Tiago Santos too much. I almost rather play Hill wins in the second round. Um, plus 400, plus 460. I'm going to give you a lean to that, but what I am going to play is under two and a half because I think that Hill's going to force the issue. Whether he gets knocked out or not, he's going to finish this fight. If you look at what Hill's done, he has, ne- he has went to decision four times, and when he went to decision, it's been a while. It was against Darko back in 2020 of January 25, his next Five fights all ended in the first or the second round, okay? Before all that, when he was in his inferior leagues, you know, he that's where he really got his decision. So he's a puncher. He's going to throw a lot of volume, and this thing's going to end quick. I'm not even sure how much lungs that Jamal Hill has. So I think this goes under two and a half. I'm going to give this to the middle of the third round, and I think there's some value there. And I did take it at minus 160. It's creeping up a bit. I probably like this all the way up to minus 180. 
under one and a half for two stars. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. All right, next one. We have... I'm going to kind of just go down here and just let you know. Vicente Luque versus Jeff Neal. I have a premium play on this one, so I'm not going to talk about this one. The next fight is interesting because it's Mohamed Usman versus Zach Pauga. And both of these guys were in the Ultimate Fighter, I believe, on Team Pena. They're both... Um, kind of on the same team for a while from what I understand. I didn't watch a ton of that. But Usman is Kamaru Usman's brother, the champion, but he's just way bigger. Well, he's thicker. He's strong. He's 235 pounds, you know, heavyweight. Uh, Zach is a little bit lighter. You know, he's uh, 215 pounds from what I'm seeing some of these places. Uh, 225 is it what this one's showing. So maybe he's gained some weight, but he uh, is a calculated fighter and uh, does a pretty good job himself. Uz- Usman's plus 200. It's it's very weird to see the name Usman at plus 200, but there's not a ton of info on these guys. I mean, they do have some fights here. Let's just kind of go through them a little bit. Uh, Zach has fought uh, five times here in Cage Warriors. 5-0, and beat Marcus Perez by decision. Terrence Jean-Jacques by decision. Logan Nail. Just people you really don't know. So unless you really watch those fights, then what are you going to do? You have Usman, who is 7-2, and but he lost his last fight um, in the PFL, you know, in the Professional Fighters League. He got submitted by Brandon Sayles. So the question is, how much has his brother been teaching this dude? <laughs> you know, I Usman's slow. Zach's fast and calculated, but um, there's a reason why Zach's a minus 240, minus 250 uh, favorite here. So I'm going to let you guys decide what you're going to do on this one. Just wanted to mention it because of the big name, Usman, there. Um, Augusto Sakai is fighting against Sergei Spivak, and Sakai is plus 200, which is interesting because Sakai was actually on a nice little run for a while and then kind of start getting beat. Um, I would put this more like minus 200 for Sergey and minus points 160. So I, I was, I'd be close to leaning Sakai here, but I'm just not quite there. Moving to the undercard, you got smiling Sam Alvey against Michael Oleschuk. And I think that it's the end for Alvey. He's lost like so many in a row, but his fights have always been pretty good. He's been a little bit bad towards the end of this streak here, but, um, Michael Olex to Chuck is losing weight. He's dropping down to 185. I think that's a good way for him. Um, he outstrikes Sam Alvey. He outtakes down Sam Alvey. He's probably going to win this one. And that's why he's minus 625 here. So I don't have the balls to play Sam Alvey. I've lost too much money on him, but I'd be, I'll be rooting for him because I like him. And I think he's from one of my close to my hometown and, one of my hometowns, I guess. You got Chicago, then you got the uh, Madison. He's from Watertown. Then you have uh, T Rex, Terrence McKinney. That's minus nine hundred against Eric Gonzalez. I mean, what a massive uh, discrepancy here. Terrence McKinney came on fire, and I was making some money. Then I lost to him against Drew Dober, and I don't know where the hell Drew Dober found his last year right now, but he has just been absolutely fantastic since the Riddell fight. But uh, Terrence McKinney is kind of an animal. And uh, he's probably uh, going to be a little bit more careful this fight. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, try to get cute and p- 
play plus 600 with Eric Gonzalez. Uh, Brian Battle is going to be a good fight against Takashi Soto. Um, and then moving all the way down, I have another play for you, and it's Myra Bueno Silva versus Stephanie Egger. This is pretty close to even. Uh, plus 105 for Myra Bueno Silva, Stephanie Egger is uh, minus 125. Egger, 5'6". Both women are 5'6". Egger's got a little bit of a reach advantage, 68 inches to 66 and a half. But Egger's a wrestler. You know, she's going to probably try to get this thing to the ground. She takes down 2.87 takedowns per 15 minutes. Um, she tries to sub at times. But what's funny about this fight is that uh, Silva's got the uh, significant strike advantage, 4.25 to 1.69. So she's going to try to stay on her feet. And one, another thing I like about Silva here, she's actually better at submitting than Stephanie Egger. I mean, Silva's got uh, five submissions, one KO, and two decisions. Um, she's never lost by submission or KO. She's only lost by decision. And Stephanie Egger has three submissions, three KOs, and one decision. You know, I, I don't see uh, what I see about Silva is that her strength of schedule is better. You know, she beat Yanan Wu her last fight, and then she lost a man in Fjord. So, who cares if he lost to Fjord? And uh, Fjord's awesome. You know, so I am not taking that against her. And she went the three rounds with man in Fjord. So, uh, and it's Fjordot sometimes. I think people say that as well. I'm not sure which way to say this one, but. I'm going to go with Fiort and Montana De La Rosa was a draw and Montana De La Rosa is a decent fighter herself. So um, I think her strength schedule has been a lot better because Stephanie Egger fought Jessica Rose Clark. Yeah, just middle tier two, three-ish fighter. Shanna Young lost to Tracy Cortez by decision in 2020. You know, Tracy Cortez has actually been really good though. She's got like nine or eight wins in a row kind of looking back at her she's actually gonna have a pretty good fight coming up here and uh looks like december against amanda ribas we on cortez but anyways i like buena silva you're getting plus money on somebody that knows how to defend the takedown because when you look at the stats here um her takedown defense is 69 percent for myra buena silva and stephanie eggers is only 33 percent this thing goes to the ground I think that Buena Silva has the same chance of submitting as Edgar does, and Stephanie's going to have, or Myra's going to have, the significant strikes here. A lot of these fights lately have been favoring the striker, so we're going to go with her at plus 105 for 1.5 stars. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for me, for any of our odds breakers, feel free to tweet us at the odds breakers. Best of luck this weekend. Enjoy all the fights, and go get some winners.